You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 26 I'm Rusty, and with me on the uh, on the line is uh, Simon from uh, you're from Canberra, aren't you, Simon? That's right, Canberra, AC two. Absolutely, and you're um, you're involved with the Precision uh, Service Rifle matches over there. That's correct. Yep. Wonderful, mate. So, um, so you're actually in the beginning of uh, of this type of shooting in Australia, from what I'm aware of. How how did it come about? Yeah, it was um, a few of us shot the um, SSAA Combined Service Discipline um, sort of long-range tactical match here in Canberra. It's a very strong SSAA club. Yep. And what we realised that the matches on offer in the SSAA, although very good, were quite sort of limited in round count and being able to use different positions. And we actually got invited to a match up in Cessnock, which was run by an ex um, sort of Australian Army sort of ASAM guy. And um, the style of match that we were um, been shooting since then he um, he actually put one on and we loved it we fell in love with that style of uh, sort of you know precision practical type shooting yep. so we decided over as one does a few beers in a planning session at the pub <laughs> that we should we should um, you know put throw together a flyer uh, it was really exciting at the time because we we're throwing ideas around sure and yeah we put it on a couple of websites um, sent the email around and, and lo and behold um, since it was 2011 you know five years later it's really taken off in spades so yeah that's how it came about and it was because we'd all um, had invested heavily in these beautiful rifles scopes <laughs> um, you know what I mean gear I certainly and, do know what you mean <laughs> and um, and then you know you go to a, a, a match and you'd only fire your 12 rounds or 15 rounds and you sort of say is that it can we do yeah. more and that's where it's sort of come from yeah, wonderful. And and so, can you tell us a little bit more about the particular discipline? Um, for though I know, I know we've spoken with Jared, and they do the same thing in Victoria. Is is that right? That's or, right, or, and, or and New similar? South Wales as well. Yep. yep. Can you tell so us basically, a bit about it? yeah, yeah, sure. So basically, it does its heritage from service rifle. So it's all about um, stress positions or what we call sort of practical type positions. So you don't get any sighters, you don't have any uh, wind flags. Yep. So it's all about being prepared for the match with, you know, range cards, you know, enough ammo and everything else. Um, and then we have, um, because it is based on a service rifle match, we have snaps, uh, deliberates and rapid fire events. And so um, each you, of those... So, sorry, can you clarify what those words mean? Yeah, yeah. So what, yep. what a deliberate practice usually is is it's usually based on a long range deliberate accurate slow fire where you know you are really trying to um you know sort of hit the v-bull in a sort of a careful time Mm -hmm. um a rapid fire as it suggests usually about 30 seconds or 60 seconds and you have to get 10 rounds off so you can actually imagine it's what we call sort of like a more of a stress type of course of fire and you know and you really got to get through the round count by concentrating on the you know on the scope and shoot control and, and and operating the action and then snap is um where the targets go up come down and go up and come down and therefore it's, okay. it, it's another version of deliberate yep. but because the target may move a meter either side we you know the shooter has to be yet ready just to be able to move their position slightly which gets an, another element of practicality yeah wonderful yeah yeah so sorry to interrupt you before it's good to get a clarification on the wording or you can tell us a bit more about how it's shot 
So yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, we're sort of, you know, restricted to what sort of ranges we have, but we can shoot anywhere from 100 metres out to, in theory, 1,000 yards here in Canberra, yep. um, similar to New South Wales and Victoria. Um, and, yeah, we, we offer different courses of fire, so you may have a snap practice from the sitting with a tripod, what we call sitting supported, or you may have a deliberate with prone unsupported, which is with a sling, or you may have a rapid with um, using your backpack, which what we call prone supported no bipod mm-hmm. um, and so for you know maybe at the 500 meter range you may have four um, sort of uh, what we call serials um, and multiple positions and then each of them you have to uh, solve the problem and you have an RO uh, behind you obviously walking you through you know what the next serial is so you can get yourself ready and get your tripod up or get your sling on or get your get your bipod ready um, yeah. normally we run about four or five ranges just because of time constraints for the day yep, um, so we might start at 400 and finish at 800 um, Jared come up with a really renovative idea I think we started at 600 yards and then we worked all the way down to 200 and the trick there was to make sure that everyone really had their uh were paying attention to their uh to the you know the dope on this on their scopes yeah. which i thought was quite innovative so Certainly. something we may adopt uh moving forward yeah brilliant yeah and so you've been um involved in setting up the victorian one with jared as well or to some degree yeah yeah, so Jared came and shot our matches um, numerous times, and he did well. The little bugger, which was good, uh, <laughs> and obviously he he, uh, he caught the bug, good. and um, and then he approached us and said, "Look, I'd love to be able to do this locally." So yeah, absolutely, we helped him out with all the targets. We helped him out with some of the so the course of fire. But since that initial phase, he's really taken it by the horns and run with it, and um, he's really got an excellent website. Um, and um, we're now about to launch the Australian website, which really helps people who want to get into this type of sport um, have a central, you know, as most websites are, a repository of information relating to FAQs, where to shoot, contact details, previous results, scores. Yeah. And I'll have to have a shout out to Jared. He's done an absolute brilliant job um, in pulling all that together. Wonderful. And um, at the end of the um, year, we have... You know, like the traditional, um, like the like in America, the PS, PRS sort of um, champion winner. So yep. we collate um, top five scores from each three at the moment, and we'll hopefully we'll expand it later. Um, and then we'll have um, the big celebration at the end and have Christmas and hopefully some ham and turkey and some apple and, and, and talk through what, what our plans are for the next year. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. And so is that website up yet or not quite yet? Yeah, he just sent it out literally today. He wanted me to review oh, right. it. It looks fantastic. Um, and, you know, I'm not a uh, I'm not a web designer expert per se, but, um, but yeah, you, you will probably see it. Uh, well, you know, we, can, we can obviously give you the link so you can share it out about. Um, and we'll hit some of the forums so it becomes our sort of our central portal to be able to flow, you know, to be able to uh, sort of control the flow of information and everything else. So, yes, it'll be out very hopefully um, probably ne- even next week because it's looking pretty good to what I've seen thus far. So, yeah, wonderful. Jared, Jared must be doing some late nights. You know, his girlfriend must be getting a bit annoyed with him. <laughs> well, we'll make sure we um, uh, we link that on the show notes when it does go up and we'll also put, out a, put that out on Facebook as well. Absolutely. Good to have all those details uh, connected. And that's that's across the, the one in Vic, uh, the one uh, where you are and the one also in New South Wales. Yeah, so um, Brian has done um, a, an absolute stellar effort in galvanising his local club to shoot our events as well. He comes from a military background as well, so he really bought into the traditional style of shooting event this was. So yep. it's shot at the Hornsby uh, Rifle Club 
so I encourage anyone who is in Sydney to uh, to reach out um, because I think the next cops next competition's coming at this end of this month, um, and we're shooting something called Match Two Hundred, which is taken out of the uh, the Australian Shooting Arms Manual, the ASAMS, right. and it's what um, the military call a uh, sort of a, a sniper qualification match. And obviously, we've civilised it a bit and done a bit more uh, competition, a bit more, you know, under the yep. NRA rules to make it all compliant. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a really, very, really, really uh, fun match, and you get a score that you can then reflect back to, um, you know, in, in theory, you know, being deemed competent from a from a sniper perspective if you achieve a certain points. Wow! So, which is really cool. Yeah, very good. And mm. so, what? Um, I'm interested in your history, Simon. What? What? Uh, where did the love of shooting come for you? Oh yeah, that's uh, really, really, uh, really from a young age. I uh, I can always remember out in the garage, trying to nail three bits of wood together to make it into a you know a Tommy gun to chase the old brother around the, the backyard. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I remember um, one of our family friends used to run the junior program. Yeah. I don't know if you're probably aware that SSWA runs a very uh, successful junior program yep. for shooters. And he asked me to come along, and I shot my first ever. I think it was an Anschutz 22 when I was you know. Th- 12, 13, I suppose, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it. You just imagine, you know, all I could do was do the research and read the books, and then I got into uh, a lot of military history. Um, I'm a bit of a military history buff. I was doing my uh, master's in military history, and that's oh, wow. why I liked yeah. yeah, that's why I like this service type of background because, you know, even um, yeah, NRA and Fullbore always has its, has its uh, sort of links back to you know the turn of the century with you know the the um i think it was the defense act or something where they built all these ranges to to help support the military and civilian shooting which i uh, which i thought was quite fascinating um but when i went to uni um had no money so i had to put everything on uh, on hold as we do and um yeah. i went to the uh, would you believe the canberra show mm-hmm. and ssaa and all the shooting guys were handing out pamphlets and I know it sounds a bit silly, but you just don't know how powerful that is as a young 19, 20-year-old to talk to someone about shooting sports with you know, no money and stuff. Certainly. And they handed me a pamphlet about IPSC, would you believe? Yep, I and would. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember to this day, it's blue. I don't know if everyone's recognised. It's a blue little pamphlet. And I sat there with my studies doing engineering, which means very deep, and um, just staring at this pamphlet saying, that's my goal. I was going to get my degree and I was going to start IPSC, which I did. So I rewarded myself, Wonderful. bought myself a, a Glock. And, and shot at least, well, I'd have to say 10, 11 years of IPSC. Um, and that's also, remember that that sort of, you know, the, the big um, fan of being a practical match. So when I brought came across to shooting this precision service rifle, um, it really did have that linkages back to, you know, solving problems and something always different. So there's you don't know what course of fire you're going to get next month. It could be something completely different. And then half the fun is preparing for it, doing a bit of training and the, you know, dry firing and going out the range and getting everything ready like you would for a, you know for an IPSC match. So, yeah, certainly. So that's how I got into it. Wow. Um, yeah. Very good. And uh, have you have you just to complete the trifecta? Have you done much with shotgun at all? Um, I've been to a couple of uh, uh, Bucks parties, shotgun <laughs> matches, and let me just say I'd rather shoot my three hundred three any day of the week than shooting this horrible clay flinging past you at a million miles an hour. I do right. put my I put my hat hat out to um, anyone who, uh, who 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 does well in that sport because I found coming from a rifle pistol background I didn't have the follow through properly and I was you know I was yeah trying to wait for the the, the clay to come into my sight picture. And um, and uh, yeah, it was 
it was fun, yep. and let's just put it that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I asked. I'm, I know where your weakness is now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Oh, very good. And so um, I guess we you, you've been doing – how long have you been doing this type of shooting for now? Well, I've, I, I originally did surface rifle, SAA surface rifle, the tactical side or the you know the long range side. Yep. Um, I think it was about two thousand and eight, two thousand and seven, um, and we started the precision service rifle series around two thousand and eleven. Okay. Because, yeah. So I've been doing it now for geez, almost almost uh, ten years now. Yeah. In yeah. the service rifle theme. Well, on that basis, have you? What advice would you be passing on to guys that are looking to get into this sport or this style of shooting? Oh, look, you know, it, it's all about going out there and talking to you to the members of your local club about trying to get the right advice and guidance about how to start, what sort of things to purchase. Um, I did the right thing. I didn't actually buy any rifles. I went up because I was, I was shooting IPSC next door and you'd hear all the 303s go next door. So I yep. just wandered over and started chatting to the guys, um, Mauser, Moz and Nagants, um, everything else. Um, and yeah, and so I got talking and I found out that the, the Mauser 96 was a competitive uh, service rifle. And um, I went and, you know, got introduced to a guy who, who sort of, you know, introduced to his brother who introduced to a neighbour and before you knew it, I was buying rifles left, right and centre. <laughs> and that was the, the best way to start because, as you know, if you, yeah. if you sort of try and buy all the gear and then front up, sometimes you, you, uh, you can give it short. But, yeah, and then that type of service rifle, I think, prepared me best because we know guys that can shoot absolutely outstanding F-class prone-supported you know, just the V-ball. But as soon as you start to put them into a sling yep. uh, behind the rifle and the rifle starts to wobble a bit, then it's all about breathing, trigger control, when to take the shot off, follow through. Certainly. And you get that through, uh, through uh, sort of that, uh, sort of that type of, or well, any sort of, you know, shooting sports really. The field rifle, SAA, is brilliant as well. A lot of it's standing. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart goes out to trying to shoot those metal targets up to 500 metres standing. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, and, and then practice. And then, and then the, the benefit of IPSC was all about the preparation, making sure you've got reliable gear. It's all been, you know, processed and sort of um, trialled in practice. Mm. Um, never try and turn up to a competition with something that you've never actually used. I've had, you know, I've, even my one of my tripods I bought, you know, the, the left leg wouldn't lock in. You know, how embarrassing is that? So I couldn't actually use my tripod. I had to use it, borrow someone else's. And that was just because, yeah, 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 you're sort of rushing or you're busy with work or stuff. So, yeah, just really uh, practice and, and go out to your local club and introduce yourself and, and get, get involved that way. And, and what about those who have been shooting for a while? Where, where should they put their time and perhaps their money? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, we always, and that sounds a bit of a cliche, but it is all about practice. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually um, bought a practice rifle in 223 for that reason. Because yep. as we all know, shooting um, high BC 6.5 mil bullets when the dollar goes a bit tanked can be <laughs> an expensive... <laughs> Let alone just trying uh, to find the things. Yeah, yeah, that's a challenge too. Well, we always you know, buy in bulk, get a thousand projectiles if you can get them. But yep. um, I, just, I just bought a 223 and so... Yeah, I've been shooting for a very long time and I found that um, my kneeling supported because I was a fairly tall guy um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't keep the rifle steady and so I really just wanted to put a lot of practice in in different um, positions you know, left leg up right leg up um, standing up getting more crouched just to see what would work for me so and then hopefully on, on game day that it's um, those that all that practice has, has come in so that's uh, an example there you know I've, I highlighted a weakness um, and I, that's what I should practice um, the back laying position um, I was talking to a colleague of mine and the best he scored a 
25 out of 25 the first time he shot it. And yeah. he's never been able to uh, attain that score because he's, he admitted to me the other day that he actually forgot his position. <laughs> and, and, so, and so I would have a giggle because I think I know what he's talking about because he was always trying to find a better one. So I said, yeah. right, you and I out the range, let's do some practice and, and you know, coaching and to sit there and say, is this better? Move your leg here and, and everything else. And lo and mm. behold, you know, you could just see his confidence rise and everything else. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so from people that have been doing it for a very long time, that's the gear, and and um, and just um, just be confident in your gear as well. I think that's the other thing because a lot of people say, oh, "I've missed the target. There must be something wrong with the rifle." And we go, "No, mate, no, trust me. <laughs> you know, the, the the wind may have blown up because a gust of wind just then. It's more likely that you've um, pulled yeah. the trigger, that you do a follow through, and and then once they realise that it's it's them, and then that's something that they need to focus on. Then that's the that's the trick. I think it's it's continually us, isn't it? It's continually the person behind the the trigger just yeah. needs to improve and work on it. That's right. Areas or, it's, or it's my spotter. I just made my spotter. So, oh, you, didn't, you didn't tell me I pulled that shot. Good one. So, yeah. <laughs> that's um that's actually probably true. More true. It's probably just a spotter. So. <laughs> oh, right. brilliant! And speaking of gear, what what are you running at the moment for this sort of comp? Yeah. So um I you know like most people I've got four um, rifles that I've built for these type of competitions. I have yep. a six point five by forty seven on a Stiller Action with an Accuracy International stock. Mm-hmm. Um, running an Atlas Biport and a March. Would you believe a March five to four? 40, I would believe because uh, that's yeah. very similar what to Jared was running. Is yes, it, is it not? in fact, uh, Jared may have uh, assisted me in, in determining that was a good scope for what we do here. <laughs> um, and I really like the radical. It comes with a little a little dot in the middle of the radical, which I really um, your eye gets drawn to it, which is a big IPSC thing when you're trying yes. to track targets and you lose track of your front sight if you if you're losing. Co- um, sort of concentration when fatigued. Yep. So that's why I liked about that scope. And it's very light too, so yeah, carrying the rotten thing. That'd do um, well. Does it, do you find the, um, I, I guess you can always wind it down, but does the, do you use the 40 power much? It seem, no. seems a no. lot. No. No, I've spoken to that numerous friends and um, my other colleague, um, Clyde, he, um, he says 16 is all you need. And he's right, 16 to 24 is the maximum you need. So when, you, oh, when you're doing load development and you're really trying to, you know, punch out the, the you know, the best group, having 40 power is useful. Um, but the problem I see when you're shooting these style of events with a high-powered scope is that you can't see the number of the target that you're actually shooting on. Yeah. Because when you're doing a rapid or the moving change and under recoil, you don't have time to, you know, spend 30 seconds to look up and see the number, look back down beyond the scope and fire the next shot. And so what you end up doing is bringing it down to about a 20 power so you can just see the, the number on top of the, the, yep. the, the mound and your target. And, um, and that's the technique I use because, as you know, nothing worse than um, contributing a number of shots on your next-door neighbour's target. Because you uh, <laughs> don't want to help the them target. out too much. Yeah, that's right. All the targets look the same, and yeah, lo and yeah. behold, you uh, yeah, he should out your beer after the after the match. <laughs> so yeah, so that's but yeah, so yeah, but going down to five power, I've used that at um, at 100 meters for that reason too, which I really like using the those type of um, you know the march scopes with its sort of eight differential sort of magnification. It's quite useful. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So the other rifle, of course, I use. Don't tell my wife. But, um, I've got a uh, ticker in a six XC. Yeah. Um, it was a six mil BR, and I can tell you a story about the the classic unable to um, chamber on turn stocks. Oh yes. Um, the because um, I went across to a Wombat stock, which is an Accuracy International stock that uh, Greg um, 
sort of builds um, based on ticker action, and it's got the um, the Bushnell, um, you know, that ERS, I think it's called, three and a half to twenty-one, the yes. thirty-four mil tube, yep. um, and that is what I shoot when I have more um, prone unsupported because I've built a much lighter profile, whereas six point forty-seven was built on an M forty M twenty-four profile, yep. and not suggesting that I uh, I don't go to the gym regularly, but it was a bit heavy when I was trying to you know, shoot prone unsupported for a while. Sure. Um, and then I've got um, a really super duper heavy barrels ticker 6.5 by 55 um, because some events do require you to run a service caliber, especially some of the SSAA events. So that's right. my sort yep. of service caliber one. Yep. And then I mentioned before, I built a, another 223 on a ticker um, um, just to do the practice. Um, and it's running, uh, I think, uh, um, well, I can't remember what scope I put in that one. But And then, of course, I've got, a, uh, as anyone should, a 300 win mag on a, uh, on a Nemesis action. <laughs> which um, Jason Hillier from Adger um, brings out. Yes. Um, yeah. Fantastic rifle. Uh, when I saw it, I fell in love with it, and it's very accurate. Lothar Wildfire barrel, really nice muzzle brake on a um, on a Manners action. And, um, yeah, I use that for the what we call a, you know, the super long range, you know, maybe from 700 to 1,000 yards. Um, for no other reason, it's just fun to shoot a 300 wind mag long range. Yep. Yeah, certainly. You've got to have, got to have something along those lines in the in the closet or in the safe. Absolutely. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yes, yeah, certainly. And um, and so you've got a bit of a domination there by tickers. You're obviously a bit of a fan. Yeah, yeah. I learned that when I shot a bit of high power. Um, the ticker action, value for money. I think in terms of the build quality and the ability now, as you know, the amount of aftermarket accessories for the ticker is is gone gangbusters. More stocks now available. You can do. You know, you can extend bolt knobs. You can get Picatinny 30, you know, 20 mil MOA Picatinny rails. You can. Uh, I don't mean much of triggers, but it'll come. Yeah, and, certainly. Um, there's, there's more yeah. and more now than there ever has been. It's good to oh, see that growth. Yeah, and you go on Facebook and every second company, even in the states, and that's the trick. You know, they've caught onto it as well as now yes. um, advertising and marketing um, aftermarket uh, ticker stocks. And I just love that smooth action. I don't think it's it's nothing to, to, that that can be beat with most other things I went for the Stiller because it came with an AW magazine so you get a lower profile for the you yep. know, for the 10 rounds which can be sort of useful in certain situations um, but I love I love my Remington 700 don't get me wrong they're bloody fantastic action as well but uh, the tickers were always seen to be the ones I gravitated to that's where you've ended up at the moment can you tell me a bit more about the 6XC round yeah absolutely so it was originally um, that rifle was built on a 6mm BR and I had an XLR chassis Mm-hmm. Um, and in 10 rounds, it was beautiful. It was a fantastic shooter. Um, I didn't really like the XLR chassis um, for, for, for just for more aesthetic reasons, which is a silly, but hey, you know. Oh, we've got to enjoy the guns. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. You've got to look at it and not frown and um, smile. So. Well, unfortunately, um, most of us probably spend more time looking at them than we do shooting them. <laughs> so. Yeah, the old safe queen. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, and then um, when I was talking to Greg, as one does, you know, he's talking about his Wombat stock, and when I felt that that classic accuracy international, um, you know, the sort of the 1.5 or the 1.0 type model, not the not the XT. Yep. <clears throat> AT, sorry, the, um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with it. So I, I swapped it out, and would you believe it wouldn't feed? And I spoke to Greg, right. and he said the, the, the magazine moved, oh, I'll get this wrong, back or forward slightly, and the 6mm yep. BRM was slamming underneath the uh, feed ramp of the ticker. Yeah, right. So off to the off to the gunsmith and um, uh, another colleague of our Michael had shot the six XC and I really did a research and obviously that uh, six mil BR website that seems to yes. be a bit of a gospel for sort of people like us. Um, 
I think Dave Tubb created the rounds, cross course, that's what the six stands for, and really it's just a, it's a sort of two, four, three that it's slightly smaller. <clears throat> and um, loved it, mate. It, oh, it's a fantastic cartridge. Uh, it's a 105 grainer. Um, you can you can get over 3,000 feet per second for it, but you don't have to. I think I run around 2850. Yep. So it's a soft load, um, ballistically, as we as we expect with them. I mean, a, um, a high coefficient six mil is pretty cool. And um, and then it solved all my feeding problems. Yeah, and, wonderful. Um, and you know, cases available by Norma, dies are easy, and I highly recommend anyone who wants that sort of mid-range caliber to really look at a 6XE. <coughs> yeah, brilliant. We'll have to give Greg uh, Greg from the podcast a hard time about not getting one. <laughs> yeah. Something else yeah. wrong with his rifle. Correct. You know, everyone should go and buy, buy another rifle so they can build up a 6XE. <laughs> I'll let him know. He'll maybe we'll chuck <laughs> one of his defiant sections on it. Yeah, yeah that'd be lovely. <laughs> Very yeah, good. Nice. And so, um, I mean, that's a fairly extensive list of equipment you've got you've got happening there which is wonderful to see and and uh, i know a lot of us eventually sort of go down that path if someone's uh on yeah thinking about getting into it where what do you suggest as sort of a minimum and, and what would you recommend yeah and it's a it's a fascinating question because you know we've got guys who turn up with systems that are worth fifteen twenty thousand dollars and we had a guy turn up with an omark and a tasco and came second would you believe? I, I would believe it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he, he shot so much F classes, so much service rifle shooting. He was just brilliant with it. So basically, the rule of thumb but we we sort of talk amongst ourselves when we get new people come in. You know, as long as the rifle the rifle can shoot um, MOA or better, um, and a scope that has that reliable tracking and adjustability, um, and and then just the ammo that you're either comfortable reloading or or, or purchasing. So normally 308 seems to be very popular. Um, and that's basically it. Um, we do, some of the course of fire do require um, 10 rounds in the rapid. So obviously anything with a 10-round uh, mag. Yep. Upon saying that, though, um, we do, you know, two five-round mags. You know, I, I, I almost guarantee that you'd have time to do a quick mag change and still be you know, still be competitive. So Certainly. it's not a problem, especially when I've got an OMAC guy who shot the 10 rounds in the 60 seconds and he got all his shots off. Because as you know, you just can just throw the round into the chamber and, yep. it, and it, it just feeds so well. Still works. Um, you know, and it's something that you're comfortable with. Like That's why I went to the Accuracy International. I shot so much of it. That's why I went to that particular stock yep. um yeah you know and then and manners was the same style so uh, i put a grs stock on one of the tickets as well so you know i didn't go for the traditional sort of pistol grip stocks not yet anyway because not not anything wrong with them it's just something that i'm just not really used to no. yeah not what you're comfortable with yeah oh. and also something that my colleague keeps saying is just keeping it simple the yeah. more the less gear you've got we had a guy turn up to a competition with a uh, a trolley <laughs> full of gear <laughs> That was pretty, pretty funny, and he was sort of not a problem, you know, to you know, do what he wants. But we sort of said, "Sure, you got you know, enough gear there." Yeah. So you know, I only carry a sling, you know, rear bag, a glove, and ammo, and earmuffs, um, a hat, as you know, just to keep the sun off, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the more you keep it simple, it means you're more concentrating on getting into position, get everything done to your routine, rather than having to, you know. Fight around with a bag, trying to remove mm. remove fifteen things before you get access to your magazines or something. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I've noticed a few a few of the guys involved in that type of shooting wear a glove or gloves. What what's the thought behind that? Where does that come from? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good just point. Just because it's cold in Canberra. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, hurts our little hands because we're public servants. No, um, <laughs> the the theory being is, um, well, we we we. The, 
the rule of thumb, SWA don't allow it because it's not under the um, under the rule book. But we can be more of a pragmatic view that says, look, if you carry it, you can use it. Right. Okay. Yep. So you know, I've seen numerous you know people in armed services and police shoot with gloves for, for various reasons. So hey, why not that? But you're right, it does help when you're um, when you've uh, got a soft padded glove and you're gripping the front of the rifle. It does give you a bit of a, a bit of an advantage compared to just gripping it giving it the grip of death hmm. but um yeah and and because as you know it's all about stable movement not putting any missiles under tension so you don't want to have to grip it too hard you just hold sort of the, the glove gives you that sort of perfect hand um, um sort of grip swell so the rifle sits in the middle of it yeah right. that way you don't have to sit there and um squeeze it to put some muscles under tension which makes the makes the rifle wobble yeah very yeah. good very good so there is a reason for it yeah, yeah, and now obviously it comes from the old four ball days where mm. yeah, they've got their specialised gloves. Yeah, brilliant. And so uh, back, back onto equipment um, and the, the question about, you know, sort of obviously just having a rifle that, that works well and, and then a scope that's that's uh, equally good mm-hmm. in terms of its tracking. From there to, to where you've ended up, where where's the next uh, apart from a glove obviously you need to buy gloves and, and mm. then um wh- where's the next part where people perhaps would look into spending some money if they were going to yeah that's a that's a really good question because i think we've all now adopted the um ffp scopes the first focal planes yep. because when you're sitting there with something probably we did mention before that we encourage shooting like a partnership with a with a spotter and you work as teams yep and and Jared and I and Brian really focus on helping each other out, and you actually have a team sort of award at the end. Yeah. Um, and having FFP um, able to then have a common language when you're trying to call. Well, oh, there's no wind call, but it's a fall of shot. So you know, if your if your if your bullet strikes, you know, half a half a minute off the side of the target, then mm-hmm. you can yell at them, say, "Come half a minute right, half a minute left." Then you you know with your scope that that's you know the second pipian or whatever. So that's I think something that comes with sort of maturity of the sport as we get a bit more advanced. Yep. And now I'm seeing them come into spotting scopes. Certainly, yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, Bushnell came out that um, I've got on my, my 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 Christmas list. I think it's an FFP as well. It's the same thing. So your reticle in your scope is the same reticle that's in your spotting scope. So therefore yes. you can have that language going as well. Um, but you know, apart from that, you know, where I, I can't really see myself firing, you know, lasers at the uh, you know, laser range finding scopes at the target because I think they're a bit sort of sort of first generation. I think we need to wait for that to second or third generation to come out. But um, yeah, apart from that, you know, not much more is happening um, that I can see from a sort of a technology race in terms of what I've seen over the last five or six years. The the tripods have improved dramatically. Yep. Um, making it lighter and stronger because you've got to carry the rotten thing. So I've seen that as some improvements. Um, pig saddles, hog saddles, um, I thought was a fantastic idea as a, as a way of clamping the rifle together. In fact, I think we had a guy at the range had a bolt, a bolt and a spanner, and he, and he actually yeah, um, wow. bolted his rifle to the tripod, which I thought was quite interesting and innovative. It certainly, certainly is a trend with that uh, shooting off a tripod, and it's certainly becoming more and more, with more options, as you mentioned. Um, you guys are doing a reasonable amount with that or is that growing? Yeah, absolutely. I think I remember in 2011, I went down to the local hardware store, bought three pieces of dowel, <laughs> had a bit of rope that we tied around the top and um, it was actually, uh, I actually 
saw some of the um, some of the army members out of our range because they actually book our range to do some of their practice and that's what they had so I was like oh that's be good enough for me sure. and then then we started putting you know um, um, you know sort of shooting bags on top of the pieces of wood and then all of a sudden yeah the, uh, the I think obviously with the popularity of PRS style events in America has taken off and I went to a a pig saddle and a proper um, gimbal um, sort of pistol grip mount so you can actually squeeze it and yeah. get a bit more control. Um, very popular. And, um, yeah, so the, some of the brands, Manfrotto was one. Um, I run a Vanguard, a cheap, cheap and nasty one, and I think there's another brand that uh, was very popular that I can't remember at the moment. Yeah, okay. How do you find the Vanguard? I've seen those. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Um, value for money, I think. You know, it's it, it can't be beaten because um, for me, um, my technique for sitting and kneeling still needs a lot of work yeah. um, rather than worrying about, you know, trying to save you know, 100 ounces on a, on a tripod. But, um, <laughs> but I've heard rumours that if I have to hike through the mountainsides, up mountains to shoot courses of fire, then that all bets are off. I have to yeah, go, well, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in the future, do you? You, you never know in the big city. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was really interesting because also um, I think Jared did it. It was hilarious. He did a he did a mover. So we actually have one of the snap rapids or deliberates can actually be a moving target. Yeah. Um, across a five meter or three meter frontage, obviously your lane, and trying to do that on a on a uh, a tripod was actually quite interesting because if you're trying to track the target on your tripod, and you've locked it in. Yeah. You've got big problems, and so uh, we had a lot of people scratching their heads trying to work out how to use the, you know, use their tripod to sort of swivel left or right, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, right. Did you work out a solution, or that's? Uh... Nope. I just let the target <laughs> come into my sight picture and I pulled the trigger when I thought it was a rough. You know, because I was one of those guys scratching my head. <laughs> makes the uh, most most sensible uh, option. Yeah. Yeah. I gave uh, I gave Jared a filthy look, and he just laughed. <laughs> Uh, good. Uh, as long as he keeps you guessing, that's the main thing. Um, and so, in, on top of the tripods, what other trends are you seeing come through uh, in equipment? Um, the thanks to you know, if when we start seeing the different type of positional shooting, I mentioned before the back laying um, some of the positions. What I'm seeing is these um, very much larger. I think the term is it cushions. Yes. Really large yep. cushions starting to start to appear on the line, and I was a bit some someone strapped to their arm, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But mate, when you once you get the technique right, it does really give you a, a stable position. Yeah. So um, I have seen a lot of kestrels on the line, which yep. I thought was pretty cool because when we zeroed our rifles here in Canberra, 600 metres above sea level. You know, balmy 35, no, balmy <laughs> five degrees. Um, <laughs> then we and. It's always Sydney for me. Mal- when I go to Malabar, I've got to give it, I can't remember, three or four clicks. I've checked my notes, but three or four clicks, elevation change. Yes. And obviously, if I went through my kestrel and did the environmental, that's the reason for it. So it's just something I learned from experience, but that's what I'm starting to see a lot of people when they rock up to range for the first time. They uh, they get their kestrel out just to see if there's any uh, any variation in their uh, in their uh, in their settings. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Um, what other stuff am I starting to see appear a lot more? I'm starting to see a lot more people with their um, shooter and their spotter um, okay. agree on a common language. Yeah, I think that's when, critical. Yeah, because when that first shot in a rapid and you've got 12 shooters on the line all shooting, you know, 10 rounds, 60 seconds, you become quite noisy. True. And, you know, there was the old joke that you can always hear the sergeant's voice from many miles away. So me and my um, partners, we sort of sit down beforehand and talk about, are you going to give me a wind call based on mills or actual 
distance and um, we've never sort of had those conversations before but, but now we are we're saying this is it and then I've seen people have a piece of paper and they point that's where the bullet went which is perfectly okay yeah um, but the trick is that sometimes you don't have time to look down to see where it is and yeah. then look back up the scope but in the deliberate that's perfectly fine um, so yeah so that that's that whole preparation I said before and and really understanding each other's language because I did have one of my guys yelled at me and said you were uh, I can't remember what I said to him I think you were 20 centimetres off to the right and he said what's that in mils and I said oh okay 800 metres you know, whatever it is and I went 0.4 so I can't remember the day. <laughs> he, he wanted to do it and that's where we decided afterwards over the beers that we would come up with a better a better system better option yeah yeah. because you know, I was just obviously sit behind a, a spotting scope and I'm only seeing you know, the, the splash behind the target so yeah yeah, wonderful. It's it's great to see that that sort of stuff come through and as a sport matures and as it grows, and, yeah, and even absolutely. as you get yeah different takes from different people on on the same sort of concepts. Yep, yeah, that's right, and that just comes with with any sport with maturity and and the competition type of you know, the values that we bring. We always try to do better next year than we did this year. So yeah, and are you yeah. seeing other style like um other shooting techniques or other sort of styles um gravitate towards this. Uh, this style and certainly sort of taking uh, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is yeah different techniques of the actual shooting rather than just equipment yeah so a lot of people a lot of people who were shooting F-class which is a great sport you know it's very challenging you know a lot of small target Um, they just want to do something different similar type of you know type of accuracy and everything else they want to do something completely different and as you know once you start enjoying something um you know, you 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 know, it's, it's sort of you you almost compete better or you you enjoy your sport better because I know a lot of people just said I'm just so bored in another F class match on a Saturday afternoon. They come and shoot a couple of our matches and then they go back to F class and they just find that they've you know because they've mixed it up a bit they find it much more enjoyable. Yeah. So yeah, seeing a lot of that and um and also because we are trying to change up the positions and, and like we you know as you know from a, from a hunting if you're into that sort of you know hunting type of philosophy then, you know, if you're shooting, you know, on the back of the ute or you're shooting um, spotlighting with rabbits and, and foxes and stuff, I can absolutely see how our sport is is, is benefiting from that. Yeah. Because, as you know, there's no such thing as a stable shot when you've got, you know, a fox 45 degrees over the left. You've got to move your body over and you've got to yep. get the right position. You've got to get your breathing right, get the trigger control. And if you miss... Man, your mates just have oh, that's that's the end of it for afterwards. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I know all about that. Bit. <laughs> and then, of course, if it's a long range shot, you sort of arming and arring whether or not you give it a bit of lead or you go for the you know for the centre of the scene mass. And of course, that's yeah. sort of not the not the point. So you you really do start to uh, to um, practice you know that type of sort of rush pressure shooting, which can then you know help out that type of sport as well or mm. that type of pastime. Absolutely. Do you, do you do any hunting at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd normally call it a bushwalk in the middle of the bush with a rifle because hunting means you actually see the animal, you see the <laughs> arse end of an animal running away from me. Yeah. Yep. Six foot tall with big feet. So, yeah, I love my uh, samba hunting down in Victoria. Um, sure. And, um, yeah, obviously, we can never have enough time. And around Canberra, I've been a sort of a large country or a small city, depending on perspective. There's heaps of opportunities to get out there and, you know, do a bit of hunting. So always take up the opportunity. But normally, you know, before you catch up with your mates and you have a few beers and I mean, the night before and get up in the morning, you go, oh, man, let's this <laughs> go for a quick walk rather than a long walk. <laughs> kids or things to see. So it's always a challenge. All the time, you know, as you know, challenge with time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What are, you, what are you seeing over there in terms of foxes and that sort of gear? 
Oh, yeah, um, the amount of fallow deer, thanks oh, to the rain. Right. Oh, just amazing around uh, around sort of all I go, Tarago, Pungundu area. It's just amazing. Um, and in fact, we've heard rumours that Samba, well, I, I suppose it's, you know, it's tr- it probably is true, they are, are slowly moving more further north. You know, it's all, I've heard yep. stories of seeing Samba on the southern edges of Canberra, which obviously makes sense if they start in Victoria and breed up and move. Um, Keep on moving through. Improve. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, just the standard um, foxes and stuff. Um we even, I think, we even have goats around here as well, but they're few and far between now. I think. Yeah. I think the farmers should keep a, keep on top of that. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, good. And have you found your your um your walking with the rifle uh, has improved from the the shooting you've been doing through the uh, the precision service rifle? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because you you know you 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 see you know the, the your, your prized stag and you bring up the rifle and then all of a sudden it kicks in you know breathe it out make sure you you know you get the right shot you know don't rush because you know you, you you're going to do everything else and that comes from that mental discipline or even rote learning if i can call it that that yep. you picked up at the range um absolutely you know you you do have more confidence in your gear and your, in your own shooting ability so therefore you will just take that extra maybe potentially second <laughs> or what i normally do is go in the prone position uh, um, sitting position, sorry. Yeah. Because I know f- from shooting competition that is a much better stable position, and it only takes me, you know, a second or two to get in that position with a sling. Sure. Um, and I'm more likely to get a, you know, a more humane shot. So I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. I'd go prone, but I might get my pants dirty, so can't do that. No. My wife, my wife will have a go at me. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you were down at the uh, the latest uh, Victorian shoot, weren't you? I was. The one yep. where the, the NT boys r- rolled up. Yep, Rusty and Bear. Uh, Butters. Oh, Butters and Bear, sorry. Butters, yep. Yeah. Um, yep. it, how did that shoot go? Was it, a, it was a good turnout from what I saw. Oh, fantastic. 42, 43 shooters or whatever. I had wow. to pull out the extra targets out of the car and get to Jared. He was going to be a bit worried. <laughs> um, and just the local club members are just brilliant. You know, yeah, they nice. really looked after us. We had afternoon tea, which, you know, being an adult male, I'm always happy with a smile on my face if you're feeding me a donut and a coffee. Wonderful. Um, we had a big barbecue Saturday night. Um, they had a, a big bonfire, obviously. It's a famous bonfire. We actually <laughs> we actually ducked into town to watch the uh, the Wallabies uh, attempt to play rugby. <clears throat> um, that would have been that would have felt worthwhile. Yeah, let's move on. Yep. The uh, the uh, and then the the day of the conference so well. Like Jared runs a, such a good tight shop. You know, he should be an event manager if he's not uh, if he's not otherwise. Um, yep. To the point where he had a bit of a chuckle. He actually handed out calculators to competitors to help them check their scores. Like how good is that? Because yeah, wow. one, one of the biggest sort of concerns or feedback we have is that. You know, is this the really the score that I shot? Yeah. And so, because of the nature of the scoring, is that you don't get it radiated back. You don't get to check your target. There is an element of trust, as as you know, practical situations are, uh, sure. are, are, are relevant. Um, and yeah, that was just a fantastic service. And um, and yeah, it was a it was a brilliant day. And a shout out to uh, Rob, who uh, oh no, Stuart, sorry, who uh, who took out the competition as outstanding shooter. So well yeah, done. Wow. Congratulations. Excellent. Yeah, How did you go? Yeah. How did you fare? Uh, I came second. I think I came second. Oh, well, well done. Much yeah. better than the Wallabies. Yeah. Well, they came second. <laughs> well, they came second. Yeah, true. But perhaps yours was a bit more of an achievement. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> and it was. Yeah. It was looked like it was absolutely freezing there. 
Yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty cold when I went for the shower in my hotel room after walking out from the heated room. But we won't go there. <laughs> but the guys who stayed on site, perhaps not yes. so much. Yeah, yes. it looked like a cold day out. That's right. But um, well, Canberra today was snowing. We got a few of the reports. We actually had snow everywhere. Yeah, right. So um, I was planning to go to the uh, the range today, but I uh, <clears throat> decided that work was way too important today, and we'll go tomorrow. So. I like yeah, your, I like your commitment. It's good. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right. Fair weather, fair weather shooter than I am. Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what, you've been involved with this sport for well, effectively mm. as long as it's been around here in Australia now. Um, mm. Where do you see this sport heading in the in the future? Another another five yeah. or so years. Yeah, like um, like so we, we we're you know, we're biased and we love it and we're passionate about it and we just really like to see other um, clubs and states you know perhaps adopt this type of competition and by doing so you're not going to do that alone you know Jared and I and Brian are always willing to help with everything from targets to advice to score around templates Jared just um, has to send out the last round of templates we can all start using to make his uh, his, web page administration more uh, more efficient Um, therefore that's how I like to see the sport um, having uh, sort of where it needs to grow because you know it is a long way to go for some poor competitors who have a have a passion in the sport and they've bought a rifle and they really want to practice and really want to sort of grow into it and improve so queensland is something that we want to obviously queensland is a is a massive big service type of uh, rifle you know sort of state yes, so hopefully yeah. to get something up and running up there <clears throat> um and um, obviously in Adelaide, <clears throat> some of the work that we know that you are, you, know, sort of you guys are doing as well, which would be really, really cool to try and bring it all together. And then before you know it, you know, it's 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 the national, it's 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 getting collaborative, getting people of like-minded um, type of um, passion and hobbies to be able to talk to each other and, yeah. and learn from each other. You know, there's nothing better than having six people in a room all doing the same thing, learning from each other. What do they try? What they didn't work? And and that's what. Therefore, the spot will just evolve just from that alone. Um, the rule book is pretty stable. It's 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 there. It's you know it's it's the NRA chapter 16. I think they call it rule book. So that's not going to fairly change um, too much. We think in the future. Yeah. Um, it's just the more of the more of adopting that collaborative type of um, culture moving forward because that. As you know, is, is something I argue has been a big success in in America. You know, mm. their uh, precision well, rifle PR precision rifle series. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's spawned off just a, a fantastic uh, competition. Mm, yeah, absolutely. They do a good job over there, and it certainly looks like we're on our way to a well. We do a good job here, and continuing to do a good job here, and growing growing it with more people. So, Absolutely, and any excuse for me to book a flight to Darwin, that's minus three here to twenty degrees there, so I can shoot a competition. Man, I'm loving this type of sport. So you'll be up there in October, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm just debating whether or not to invite the wife. I think something I'll have to consider. Um, I, I can offer no, no advice she, for that. You yeah, yeah, no, she's actually <laughs> uh, she's actually booking the flights and the kids because we're never taking the kids around Darwin, Lishford National Park, and so. Yeah. Um, really wanted to support that shoot as best we can, um, so I caught up with um, you know, Butter and Bears and, and offered all that, and yeah, they were really obviously really appreciative just to see that support. So, yeah, happy yeah, days. mate. It's it's apps. It's wonderful to be able to talk um, uh, outside of this, but also through this medium of uh, to, to guys like yourself and to Jared and, and to um, 
uh, butters and um, oh, we had bear as well last time around the campfire and um, and hope to speak to Brian as well sometime soon uh, just to be able to sort of put it all out there and, and let more people know what's going on because there is a, a fairly active um, involvement from lots of people when it be the more people we can get involved with it obviously it's gonna gonna grow which is good yeah. to see any excuse to go to your wife and, and buy an $8,000 system, I'm happy to encourage. <laughs> oh, very good, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time, Simon. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, or has that kept you pretty happy with what we've yeah, talked about? Yeah, no, it's been really good. Just like I said, we'll we'll be announcing the... Uh, well, yeah, Jared has done all the work, so, he, you know, we, um, through Jared, we'll be hopefully bring out the new website. Yep. So if you've got any questions or anything you want to learn more about, that's what the medium that we're sort of encouraging, because there'll be a lot of FAQs, a lot of information about the different positions, like Hawkins, which yep. always seems to um, um, spruik a lot of lot of, uh, lot of of discussion. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a sort of the big thing for today. And, um, and, yeah, and all I can do is just ask that if you're really, you know, if you're really keen, reach out to your local club, you know, get involved, and we're here to help. Absolutely. And so when is the next Canberra shoot? Oh, that's an excellent question. Uh, September. Um, I have in the throes of finalising the flyer. Okay. And it will be, um, it's around the, sorry, around the, yeah, it's around the end of September, I think the 24th of September. So, 25th of September, sorry, the, um, because we got access to a thousand yard range and my last long range match we had earlier in the year was big washout. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it just rained. And so a lot of people come to me and say, look, it was a, it would have been a fantastic match if it wasn't the fact that, you know, <laughs> uh, pouring litres of water out of our action. So I'm, deba- I'm actually debating us to do another long range. It'll be 900, 800, 700, maybe even a thousand yards. Yeah. And because, you know, we, why not use that range to for its full full uh, capabilities? So Certainly. That's a good thing. And then the last one is scheduled on the fourth of December, um, which is what we're sort of saying is the the big one, the national or well, not the national one is probably the wrong term, but we will be announcing the uh, the overall champion winner at that shoot. Okay. Um, and hopefully we'll have a big prize table and really encourage people to come down to Canberra because we're lucky we've got um, access to twenty lanes down there. Yeah. So we can accommodate. Uh, um, you know, a, a, a lot more shooters than I think. Um, poor old Castle Mains got 12 lanes, so they are a bit hamstrung to how many people. But we're talking about that with Jared yesterday about how to uh, how to how to accommodate more people. So yeah, always. yeah, but that'll be all. But all those will be on the websites with flyers and and people that you can reach out to. So wonderful. And one thing we probably should clarify as well. Um, the Victorian shoot, the next one, has actually changed dates from the 28th of August uh, to the 21st. Um, we've got to get that information out there as well. Oh, good idea. I'm going to update my calendar. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, that's uh, unfortunately changed a few things this end. We were hoping to bring a group over, which uh, has now unfortunately fallen oh, through, but I know people going from Adelaide, so hopefully we can, uh, if anyone does want to come from here or from Canberra, um, get in touch and uh, I'm sure we'll put you under someone who's going. Oh, bugger, because I was watching the uh, Cam Raiders beat the Eels that weekend. Oh, well, that's the end of that. Well, if there's an Eels team left to play, I suppose. Mate, I'm from Adelaide. We don't understand such oh, a league, no, league who jokes. Are crows, who are the Crows playing that weekend? Paul, I have Paul's no Paul's idea. <laughs> no, I'm too busy shooting, mate. I'm... Oh, good boy. <laughs> nah, terrific, mate. Well, Simon, thank you very much for your time and your input. That's it's right. great, to, great to chat with you. And yeah, uh, you we look forward to seeing you to shoot sometime. Look, thank you so much, and I do appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Thank you. Too easy. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. 
continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.